Corinthians chapter 3. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, thank you for your faithfulness to be here this morning. And boy, what a beautiful day, December the 2nd. About 60 degrees, I think it's supposed to be today. So that's pretty amazing. Um, the Lord's been mighty good to us. And we uh, just some beautiful weather and, uh, and love that. And we, we traveled. Uh, I was really concerned about Joe Beth going up to Ohio yesterday. She... Uh, I had to leave Friday and then come back Saturday, and she was speaking in, in a ladies' conference, and uh, uh, and I thought, man, this time of year it's going to be bad up there. So I said I'd drive her up there, but we it was really nice. We just just we had a lot of rain, but but uh, in the mid 50s most of the whole way, so that was pretty good, and we made it back really nice. Um, thank you for those that prayed for us. Look at Second Corinthians chapter three verse one. It says. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of uh, commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? And he says, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Uh, you know, I'm going to read through the, the entire chapter, but, you know, that's, that's so important. You know, a lot of people... Uh, and I, I've been, you know, a lot of churches this way where they, uh, they're, they're, they're calling me about a pastor and they want to know his degree, you know, or somebody that they're going to consider. They don't want to know his degree, his background, this, this. And I always tell them the same thing. I said, uh, there's two things you need to know. Uh, you need to know, does God want them there? That's what you really need to know. It's not, not what, what letters go behind their name, but does God want them there? And secondly, uh, have they been used to change lives? And, and that's what he's saying. He's saying we don't need to have somebody writing us a letter of recommendation. If you want a recommendation from us, look at the lives that have changed. Look at the lives that have been changed. And so he uh, says, but verse 3, it says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And, and such trust have we through Christ to you, to, to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, he said, it's not going to last. He said, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory." For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. And he said, comparatively, uh, you know, the, 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 the law had, you know, it was glorious because it was of God. He said, he said but, but compared to, to the grace and the righteousness of Christ, there's no comparison. It's really what he's saying. For, for if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. And the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. 
Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Spirit of God, I ask you to guide my mind. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee. And Father, I can say nothing or deliver nothing or, or help no one if you don't work through me. So Spirit of God, I ask you please to anoint me with your fresh oil once again this morning. And Father, I ask you to, to be uh, anoint the ears of the hearers today. Dear God, I ask you to wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection. We need your protection. We need your grace, your mercy, and your strength for this hour. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, it was sort of a long passage, but uh, as I, w- I was walking recently and, and praying as I, as I do it at night, uh, as I was walking and praying, I asked the Lord, is often do to bring a verse to my mind. I just and I'm not. I don't do it all the time. But as I, this night, I was just walking. I said, Lord, just just bring a verse to my mind that will kind of give me a direction of where you want me to go. What the people need. What to, the folks need. And and, and so. Uh, let me just do a little sign. This is the reason that I that I preach the way I do primarily on Sunday morning, uh, and and that we do a Bible study and we we study through a book of the Bible on Wednesday night, and and, and it's because uh, you, you know I know there's different philosophies out there, and some you know wanted you to teach through a book or teach through the Bible uh, verse by verse, you know, in every service. But there are there are times that people have a, a special need. And, and, you know, the, the, the truth is, is that you, I've got to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what is the need of our people right now? And that's kind of what Sunday morning is all about, is trying to bring that need to the people. And so uh, here, as I was walking and praying, I asked the Lord, and, and he brought this verse to my mind, uh, and, and he gave me a direction, and I began, and, and whenever the Lord gives me a verse, I really don't know exactly the direction of where we're going with that verse, because I then, at that moment, then I have to go to the context of the verse. Then I have to go back, and, and I'll go back, and I'll study uh, before the verse and after the verse, and, and, and so I was doing that, but the verse that he brought me to, and it's a, it's a very well-known, very much-used verse today, but 2 Corinthians 3.17 uh, came immediately. I mean, I said, Lord, give me a verse. And immediately this verse came into my mind. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, it's a much used verse in today's Christian world. It's talked about a whole lot. I mean, this verse maybe is used as much as any verse uh, out there today. But what I'd like to do is take a little bit of a closer look at the passage and answer a couple questions about it as we we go into where I believe the Lord's going to take us this morning. First, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is that Spirit. Uh, And and so when it gets to that verse, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is that Spirit. So the first thing you have to do is you have to go back into context and say, what Spirit? You know, what he's saying, that Spirit. So what Spirit are you talking about? And so that's answered in in, in verses 3. Through six, it says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. 
not in the tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. So the spirit of the Lord is the spirit of the living God. I mean, that, that's very important, folks. I mean, you think, well, all we take that for granted. No, that's very important that we understand that the spirit of the Lord is the spirit of the living God. And verse 4, it says, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not in the letter, listen, but of the Spirit, for the letter kiss, but the Spirit giveth life. And so we're talking, the Spirit that is being, that Spirit is the Spirit that giveth life. And, and, and so, uh, and, and where that spirit is, the spirit of God, that spirit that giveth life, God says, where that spirit is, there's liberty. Now, the spirit is the spirit of the living God. The spirit is of life through the New Testament grace. The spirit that brings us liberty, watch this now, is an, and, and I'll hopefully I'll make this understood, is an active spirit, not passive. And, and by that, I mean the Spirit does not simply set us free to do what we choose or what we desire. Understand this now. Uh, this is where the misconception is. The Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But the Spirit of the Lord, does he's, he's active Spirit. By that, I mean once he sets you free, he continues to work in you. Now, the Spirit does not simply set us free to, what we, to do what we choose. The Spirit is a transforming Spirit, or should be. The Spirit is a transforming Spirit. Look at verse 18. If you look back at your passage, the last verse we read, verse 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Look what it's saying. It's saying that we are going to be changed from glory to glory. We're going to be, as we see Christ, and as we continue to see Christ, and as we understand the Spirit of the living God, we more and more are transformed into His likeness. We should be more like Christ today than, than we used to be. Folks, we're, all of us are so far from being, being perfect, but, but we need to be desiring to be more like Jesus. Yeah. Now, you, the, it was a tough thing for me when I first went to Bible college because I had grown up in athletics and everything was about athletics. And I just, you know, my whole concept was, was you know, you got to get you, whatever you're in, you get better, you win, and that's just it. I mean, you know, just uh, whatever, whether it's walking into a boxing ring or walking, you know, onto a soccer field or walking a football field or on a basketball, you know, we're just, we're going to go in here and we're, we're going to get better and better and better and we're going to win and win and win. I went to Bible college, and, and, and honestly, that same philosophy transferred into uh, when I went, to, you know, went to, to the work of the police department, uh, went to the, the police, let me just brag for a minute, folks. I went to the police, uh, police academy, and at the police academy, I set the uh, uh, state record of the obstacle course, lasted for 13 years. <sighs> uh, so, uh, 
But, you know, I mean, it just, and I came back, and, and almost immediately they, they, they took me into the, started training me in the detective division. Uh, that was a big-time thing down in that little town. You know, you got like three detectives. But, the, uh, but you know, so it was, you know, because I just decided, you know, whatever I was going to do, it's going to work. You know what I mean? Then after about three and a half years of the police department, the, uh, uh, I, I just was, I, I didn't understand it, but God was calling me to preach. God was, you know, he was moving me out. And so I, I just, something, did, I got, felt like I got to change. Something's just not right here. I got to change. And so a guy, one of the sergeants left his, uh, his uh, wife's uh, daddy worked for uh, a big store company, you know, department store. And, and, and so he got a job as a manager, and he was making double what we were making. He called me one day. He says, man, come on, I'll get you a job. And, and I thought, okay, that's the answer. I'm just, I'm just frustrated because of my job and not much pay because money answers everything, you know. So uh, I'm going to get paid double. And so I went there, and, and, uh, and they were, he told me it's going to take you like, Two and a half years to get up to be a, a, a what they call a, 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 a assistant, you know, manager or a manager of a, of one of these stores. Well, at 13 months, I was the assistant, the the operations manager of the largest store in the chain in 13 months, and so I, I just like I, I'm going to do this. I came to the Christian life, serve God. You know what I found out? I got really discouraged because every day of my life, I failed. Everything else I tried to do. I used to say, if they want me to jump higher, I jump higher. If they want me to run faster, I run faster. If they want me to get stronger, I get stronger. And I came to the Christian life. And this is going to be really encouraging to you folks. But we're supposed to be like Jesus. And guess what? We're all losers. Do you know that? Because no matter how great of a day you got, we still come short. Now, that was a little bit hard for me to deal with at first. It really was. And so I kind of struggled because I felt like a failure, you know, because I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to get up every morning at the exact same time and pray for three hours. And, you know, because I'd hear these guys preach that they get they stay up, you know, they, they get up every morning, you know, 3.30 in the morning and I pray at 6.30. And then the next guy gets up and say, I stay up to 2 o'clock every morning praying. And I'm thinking, okay, those two don't jive. You know, I, I was having trouble putting these two things together. And, then, and, and I, I got so crazy, I would go from Friday to Monday without sleep. Uh, you know, because, man, I got I to make this. I got to do everything. I got to make everything. I was killing myself trying to be some sort of perfect. You can't do it, folks. Now, listen to me, though. That's not an excuse not to try to be more like Christ, though. But here's the problem. You don't do it through the flesh. That's what it says, the spirit. If I'm going to be more like Jesus, what I found is I'm beating myself and working myself to death. What I really need to do is I just need to find him. I need to know the spirit of God. I need to have the spirit of God. And it's amazing how he, you know, you mount up with wings as eagles. 
You run and you're not weary. You walk and you don't faint. And so it's a transforming spirit. So through the spirit of God, we see the glory of God. And this is to bring us to look like him. We're, we are to, through the spirit of God, be transformed into the image of God by his spirit. The Old Testament psalmist understood it. Uh, he understood this concept and the fact that even obedience to the letter of the law brought a form of liberty. Now, listen to this, because uh, even the Old Testament says this. It says in Psalm 119.45, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Even the Old Testament psalmist knew the more I seek God, the more at liberty I am. The more I see God, the more free I am. Now, you have to understand that the Old Testament psalmist is talking about a, 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 a part of life that really, we're going to have confusion here. We struggle over the scripture, over what is eternal and what is temporal. The psalmist is talking about his temporal life. Paul understood it, as he said in Galatians 5.1. He said this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, he's talking, now Paul is, the Old Testament psalmist is talking about the temporal. Paul's talking about the eternal. Paul is saying, stand fast in the liberty. He said, listen to me, you were set free by Christ. If you're saved this morning by the grace of Almighty God, if you're saved by Jesus Christ and trust in him and him alone right now, do you understand this? If you're saved right now, you are at liberty. Do you understand that? Eternally, Satan can't do nothing with you. You're at liberty. Your eternal life is promised. Folks, I, you know, I know there's somebody still in here and you struggle with this, but you cannot lose something that was eternal. Because if you ever lost it, it was not eternal. Paul also understood that the Spirit of God is transforming that, and that transformation gives us greater liberty in the world that we live temporally. So many Christians have a problem separating the eternal from the temporal and especially scripturally separating the two. And this is where we've got a, a real, real confusion going on in Christianity. Now, clearly from our text, the law was glorious, but the New Testament grace in Jesus Christ was more. It was exceeding glorious. And it is, folks, it's wonderful. It'd be a terrible thing to be under the law right now. It'd be a terrible thing to be hoping and that somehow, some way, that I could live good enough that the balances would weigh out when, when I stood before God and he would say, okay, you lived good enough. Now, folks, nobody is good enough. We all come short. If we offended one point of the law, we've offended it all. We are born bound in the chains of sin. Galatians 5, 1 through 3 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. But he says this, Behold, Paul, I, I Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, 
Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Now Paul is using this as an illustration. The bondage of sin remains upon us when we must live a certain standard for our salvation. We're in bondage. And so when we have uh, this bondage uh, from the fact and, and the the uh, 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 circumcision is nothing more. It's an illustration. He's saying, uh, when he says it, he's saying, if you're trusting your circumcision to take you to heaven, to help you get to heaven, he's saying, do you understand that you're under the whole law? Because it's not like, okay, I take Jesus and I take this. See, uh, Romans eleven six 6 says, says it this way. It says, and if, and if by grace, then it's no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. God says the two of them just don't mix. You've got to have one or the other. All right, now, eternally we find from the law for salvation, but Jesus has come and fulfilled the law for us through his sinless life and his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. So eternally we find liberty from the law for salvation through Jesus Christ. Now this leads, leads us to the temporal liberty, and that's a whole different animal. Failure to understand the distinction can bring the saved man into bondage temporally. They may be eternally set free or at liberty, but they will find themselves in the captivity of sin in this life. Paul addresses the issue in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, verse 13, says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law, notice what he said, don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And truly, if you really work that out, I mean, everything would take care of itself. If we, we, we wouldn't violate even the Ten Commandments if we understood that we ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. But he says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, that thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. For if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now, 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 watch this. Just in case uh, you know, the world doesn't understand, or Christianity doesn't understand what this flesh is, and because that, that's the big issue is what really is wrong and what's not, what things, you know, since, since everything is you know, lawful to me, since there's there, there, the keeping of any law, the, the, the not doing of any sin is not what takes me to heaven, so uh, it gives me freedom to do whatever I want to. Uh, but the Lord's going to make it, verse 19, he makes it real clear. He says, okay, the flesh is your problem. Let me tell you some of the things of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and do you understand lasciviousness is causing someone else to sin? Uh, folks, this, let me tell you, that's, that's why it's a little bit of an issue. It's not a little bit. It's a very important issue, how we dress 
and how we portray ourselves, how we look in front, because lasciviousness is enticing someone else to sin. Now, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. He says, you know what? This is not an all-inclusive list. Sounds to me like the Lord's making it real plain that there are some things that we ought not be doing. Right? Now, I don't beat you over the head with this. I'm trying to teach you about, about the, the, what this, this whole issue of liberty is. But would you go ahead and give me that, uh, um, Joshua, if y'all get the ladder for me. Now, he says, Such of, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. No, no, that, that uh, shake you. The, you have to study, we'll go into it in more detail, but the kingdom of God is in you. And the scripture teaches us that. But anyway, but the fruit of the Spirit, look, God says there's some things I'll not be doing. He says, but if you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit... For the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Uh, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see, if we are going to be at liberty temporally, we've got to walk in the Spirit. That's what God's saying. He's saying, walk in the Spirit. And he said, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he just gave us a pretty good list to give us an idea of some things that we, we will not fulfill. Now, you understand, this is not for salvation. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, he has given you the gift of eternal life. You already have it. You can't lose it. Nobody can take it. Nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hand. You're wrapped up and sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's a done deal. But God's talking about as you live in this world. Now, you know, if a man was in prison and even placed in chains in the cell, as they used to do, for a crime, that would be horrible. That would be a horrible position, be in a jail cell and then in chains in the jail cell. If a man was imprisoned and even placed in chains in the cell for a crime, that would be horrible. If that same man had someone come and say, I will take your place and wear your chains, and you could never be tried and convicted for any crime again, that would be miraculous. Now, if that same man then walked free, never to be tried for any crime again, but decided to go and commit the same acts or similar, illegal, wicked, sinful acts, he would, in reality, choose to place chains on himself. He would be in bondage. Now, that'd be both sad and self-abuse. Now, I'm, I'm, but time's winding down, but I want to I use this this morning. Brother Hopper, if you'd hold the ladder for me, because I'm 63, amen. And I would use somebody else in here, but 
I'm the best man for the job. <laughs> now, the truth is, I'm, I'm, tonight, if you come back tonight, here's my little promo. If you come back tonight, I'm going to teach you what each of these steps are. But, uh, but the fact is, is that, that uh, this, is, this really is what God wants us to do. He wants us to yield to the Spirit of God and understand that as we, through the Spirit of God, from glory to glory, as we eliminate some things. You know, when I first got saved, you know, I was at Memphis State, and, and, uh, and I, was, I was fairly wild, you know. I mean, it was, I used to tell people, you know, I was a boxer, but I fought more out of the ring than I did in the ring. And, and I was, uh, I, most every night, I went someplace. Even when I was playing football and they had curfew, as soon as curfew, they came by to check and, you know, I was out the door. And I'd come back three or four o'clock in the morning because I just, I didn't want to try to go to sleep because I was miserable. But after I got saved, November 8, 1975, I, I wish I could tell you that, that you know, I, I began to read my Bible nonstop, but no, but there was someone called the Holy Spirit that came to live within me, and I didn't even know he existed. I had nobody to teach me. I had no place to go to. I, I didn't know. You know, people, when, 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 when I would go through and register for college each semester, and they would ask you, back then, they would ask you what, you know, religion you were, and, you would, and I would say Christian. Because the church I went to was Bethany Christian Church. So I thought, well, ain't everybody Christian. And they would say, what denomination are you? I had no clue what they were talking about. I really didn't. I'd look at them and like, I don't know. Because I didn't. I had no idea. So I knew nothing about the Bible, knew nothing. But the Holy Spirit of God was incredible in my life. Because the truth is, I tried to go some of the places that I'd been going and I used to be the life of the party. Now I'm miserable the moment I walk in. And so I just quit going some of those places. And I started to grow in the Lord. I had a guy walking across campus one day. And he stopped me and said, hey, Hook. And I said, yeah. He said, what's going on with you, man? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, something's going on with you, so you're different. I said, what do you mean? He said, you don't cuss anymore. I'd never one time said, it's not righteous to cuss. I never even thought about it. It's just, it didn't want to come out. Something, I felt dirty and I realized my language had changed. And I was growing. And one night I was sitting beside my wife in the, in the part of my brother and I uh, lived together and he was at work and we were sitting there listening to my music and, and I listened to music. I had a big pioneer system, listened to it 24-7 and, I, and, and I'm really, I'm not, I'm not joking, I slept with headphones on and, and, and we did, you know, we were in dance contests and the whole bit, you know, disco. <laughs> do, 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 do. And it, so, 
I mean, we're doing all this stuff. And, and, and a buddy of mine who's, who's an assistant pastor right now called me, and he was just, he was as wild as I was. We had roomed together, and he called me, and he said he had gotten saved. And he said, Robert, they, tell me, they, they told me that the Bible says everything you do should be done to the glory of God. That's about as much Bible other than salvation I'd ever heard. And I sat there for 10 minutes listening to my music, looking at an album cover with little demons on it and wings through a skull. And I looked at it and I looked at her. And here we are, a couple of state college students, not even in church. I've never even been baptized. And I looked at her and I said, this can't glorify God. And I got up and broke all my tapes and, and albums. Started to say CDs. <laughs> Broke every one, and I'm talking about I probably had a hundred total, and I broke every one of them. The bad part is my brother lived with me, and part of them were his. <laughs> but I started growing. My life was changing. We found a little independent Baptist church, and, and honestly, I, I, I don't remember ever hearing a sermon, but I learned about giving to the Lord, and I started growing, and I learned about reading my Bible, and I kept growing, and I learned about prayer, and I kept growing. I learned who the Holy Spirit was, and I kept growing, and as far as I'm going to grow. <laughs> you are holding that ladder, aren't you? Now, folks, I want you to understand the same steps that brought me up. There were steps of growth. They are also barriers to keep me from sliding down. You take those steps away and I'm done. That means I can't go back on these decisions. They're the very thing that brought me up. They're the very thing that keeps me up. And when I stumble, I don't go all the way down. The folks off the other side, it's a little bit more difficult. And that's our new Christianity. It's just take away all of these things. The truth is, it's a lot of rails. It really doesn't even have these bars in the middle. You know, folks, God wants us at liberty. He really does. He tells us how to be set free. Eternally through Jesus Christ, but then temporally he tells us, it's such a simple statement, hey, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And guess what? That's liberty. Sin is bondage. Uh, my granddaddy was, was an alcoholic. My mama ran away at 13. She was married at 13. She had a baby at 14. My, my, my alcoholic, all I heard all of my life was you're just like your granddaddy. And before I got saved, I was just like my granddaddy. I never put anything in my mouth for the taste. I put it in there so that I could get wasted. 
let me tell you, folks, if I take away these barriers one day, I'll probably end up in the same gutter my granddaddy ended up. I thank God for these steps that keep me from sliding down. So, folks, I'm not one, I don't beat anybody over the head because listen to me. There's a lot of people try to force people up these steps. Doesn't do, any, doesn't do you any good, doesn't be any good, doesn't do God any good. You got to decide that you and the Spirit of God are going to come up these steps yourself. You got to choose to. I would start praying right now, but I got to get down. <laughs> Father, I pray that you bless.